is good, amen. Um, uh, why don't we just uh, use the time and, and jump into the word? I wanted to just touch on some things we were dealing with uh, the last, uh, been, we've been working on uh, slowly, but surely uh, I was teaching on this subject of uh, the fellowship and the finishing. But before we get into that, everybody repeat after me today. I live different from the way I came, I came in. I'll say the same thing, but actually mean it this time. Today, I live different from the way I came in. Amen. We were learning from Philippians chapter 1 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. The Bible says that he who began the good work in you, he is faithful to complete it. Amen. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. In both of these verses, we were talking about the idea that if God begins something, he knows how to finish. And it's not an equation where he begins the work and we finish because that's his job, not our job. Uh, we don't begin the work and he finishes. That's also not our job. Our God is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the one who begins the work. He's also the one who finishes the work. Therefore, when he calls us, he does not call us to the work per se, because the work is something that he does through us. Amen? But he does call us to something. And we talked about how God, what he was really after was a fellowship. He was not after our work, our project, our homework. Our spiritual homework, he was after us. It was, we were called to a relationship with him, not to a responsibility. We were called to a fellowship, not to a finishing. And that's what God has wanted from all of us. That's what the cross of Jesus is all about. And it's funny how many times we can slip off the tracks and find ourselves in a place of finishing as Christians. And finished, focused Christianity is dangerous Christianity. I repeat, finished, focused Finished, focused Christianity is dangerous Christianity. The Bible says that Jesus came to the house of Mary and Martha. And when he, he came there, the Bible says Mary, uh, Martha immediately went into high mode finishing ministry. Jesus is here, so let us get into finishing. Mary went into high mode fellowship ministry. The Bible says Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and did absolutely nothing but listen to everything that he had to say. Martha went into the dishes, into the kitchen, into the sweeping, into what else do you do? Martha was engaged. But we see the difference. The finished focused ministry ended up, as, as much as she was trying, trying to do her best for Jesus, the worst came out of her. Out of her came envy, bitterness, anger, nye, 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 nye. All right, But out of the ministry of Mary, nothing came out of Mary, but the best came out of Jesus. Praise the Lord. When we focus on fellowship, Jesus focuses on finishing. Amen. It was us that he wanted. Amen. 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 So the Bible says in John chapter 4, if we can pull that up, Jesus was speaking with the Samaritan woman. And he said that the time is coming and the time is now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. Mm. The kind of worshipers the, worshipers the Father seeks are the ones that worship in spirit and in truth. That means that if that's the kind of worshipers the Father seeks, that means there's a kind of worship that is not in spirit. And a kind of worship that is not based on truth. The Father does not look for that kind of worship. He looks for the kind of worship that is rooted in spirit. Uh, amen. In spirit. In spirit. Amen. 
So, so uh, I wanted just to talk a little bit about what this means to worship in spirit. In spirit. And I want to give you an example of something that happened to me this last week. And uh, it was such a big lesson for me. And I believe, you know, uh, it, it's, it's, it's actually very, very... It was a powerful lesson to me. And it's, what I'm teaching today is not something you don't know, but it's something you need to be reminded of. Amen? So last week, I was not here. I was in, in Kenya, in Mie, Kenya. And uh, I was ministering at a church. We had a conference. And then last Sunday, I preached two services in the morning. And then I drove across town with taxi and all my luggage across town to Beza Emanuel Church, our, 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 our congregation there. And uh, I went to minister in the afternoon service there. And, uh, you know, it's a long trip, carrying my luggage, carrying everything. By the time I got to service, I was very, very tired. I did not feel like preaching. I felt like going to sleep right there. But you know, you're the pastor, you're the speaker, you're the guest, hallelujah. So I went, put my luggage there, they helped me, and I stood there. And if you have not been to Beza Manuel Church, it's, a, it's, a, it's an experience. They don't worship, they gallop. <laughs> yeah? If it's not bouncing, God is not here. And it's just, you have to see it to believe it. It's a very intense church. They're very, and you know, it's all Amarinya, and I, I can do Amarinya worship, but some of you know the Zaraf music, the like violent music, they say the words very fast, and I don't understand what they're saying. You know, it's ta 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 so I was sitting there in the front, and I was just worshiping because, you know, just going through the motions. But really, I was not engaging because I was. And then about halfway through the worship, and I believe now it was really the Spirit of God that puts me in this mindset. He said, why don't you just push through your tiredness and praise me? And I said, okay. And I just turned everything off, my feelings, my whatever, the crazy day, the crazy week, and I just began to focus on Jesus and just give my personal praise to Jesus. And after a while, you know, something happened. It's, you know, you know, spiritual things is hard to understand. Like you understand, I just broke through into the spirit right there. I just broke through into the world. Now it's funny because while I was in there, all of a sudden, I felt an energy I didn't have before. You know, I felt like, are, are we done worshiping? Is this it? Hmm? And when I got up to preach, I mean, I preached Amarinya like you've never heard me preach before. There's Amarinya, and then there's Gondar Amarinya. You know what I mean when I say Gondar Amarinya? Gondar Amarinya, that's the belly button of Amarinya right there. God anointed that, and I was ready for service number four after that. Yeah? And I said, Lord Jesus, what just happened? And, and, and one of the things that I learned is that we always start in the flesh. We always start from the platform of flesh. To worship in spirit, you don't start with spirit. You start with flesh. Then you put your flesh aside intentionally and step into spirit. And that's how you enter into spirit. You don't start with spirit. Amen? And see, when we got born again, we were partakers of his nature. We were born not of flesh and blood, but of spirit. If any man is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. What is that new creation? The Bible says in John 1 that Jesus came to his own and his own received him not. But for as many as received him, for as many as believed on his name, he gave them the right to be called the sons of God and daughters. 
Sons of God means that you are partakers of his nature. Then it goes on and says, sons born not of flesh and blood, but born of God. And Jesus was talking with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And he told him, flesh gives birth to flesh. But spirit gives birth to spirit. The wind blows where it wishes and you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen. So, so inside of us, the day we got born again, we have become children of God. Spiritual children. So we all have this mixture inside of us of part flesh and part spirit. All living in the same house, vying and fighting for, for uh, competing over the same space. Now I'd like to give us just some, some scriptures to look at in, in line with this. Go with me please to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. Alright, now look what it says. Let's pay attention here. And then after this, get ready uh, after this. Galatians 5.16 and Romans 8.5. Galatians 5.16 says, So I say, live by the... So I say, live by the... And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. The King James says, the desires of the flesh. Next verse. Galatians 5.16.17. For the sinful nature or the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature of the flesh so they are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want pay attention to that statement it says they are in conflict with each other meaning the spirit man inside of me and the flesh man are both living in the same house but they are in conflict with each other they don't get along they don't like each other. They desire different things. They come from different places. They carry different agendas. All of us live in the same house with the same battle. Okay? Now go to the Romans one, please. Romans chapter 8 and verse 5. Those living according to the flesh or the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Let's go to the next verse. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Praise the Lord. So we all have these two, and we all have the option all the time of which one we are going to allow to lead our lives. We will either be governed by the flesh and its desires and have our minds set accordingly, or we will have our minds set on what the Spirit desires. Now, to give you an example, um, uh, I, would, I would like to remind you of how an airplane functions. Hallelujah. An airplane, and I have a picture. I hope we can put that picture up. Now, the airplane, it's an amazing feat of human ingenuity. An airplane is designed to fly. Amen? Can we all agree? But every airplane, though it's designed for the air, it starts on the ground. Right? It does not start in the air. So the way the airplane, which is designed to fly, goes into the air, is it starts on the ground and the captain goes into this cockpit on the ground. And he sits in the cockpit on the ground. And he sits in this cockpit. He makes a decision. Though we are on the ground now, we are made to fly. And he puts the ignition on and puts the rudder forward and puts the steering wheel 
up. Come on, somebody. And he puts the gear in the tin and the controls. So it's still on the ground, but the controls are set to fly. You see? Amen? It's designed to fly, but it starts on the ground. Now, if you notice in the window, it's a long runway. Every airport has a long runway. The reason the one runway is long is because the fight between ground and sky is great. Gravity is telling the plane, you are too big and too heavy to fly. Shut up, sit down, stay down. The pilot saying, but I was designed for greater than this. Fly. Down. Fly. Sit down. Fly. Down. Fly. 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 And eventually, after a long struggle, my, my office, I don't mean to boast, but let me boast. My office overlooks the Bole Airport. Come on, somebody. Now ask me if I get any work done or if I have ever got any work done in my office. It's because it's all day, from morning to evening. All day, every plane flies. But the way the plane flies is that it's not, it's not the conditions that command it to fly. It's the will and the desire of the cockpit that says, no more ground, we are created to fly, and it fights all the way to the end. And at some point, there's a breakthrough where the laws of gravity are broken. And the plane enters into the new law of lift and thrust. No longer to be governed by the things of the earth. It is now governed by the things of the sky. A completely different mechanic. You know, once a plane is airborne, the pilot actually shifts the controls. Because it's no longer, when it's on the ground, it operates like any other driver of a car. But when it gets to the sky, you change your operation completely. And there's an outgoing line that you follow and an ingrowing line. You can go anywhere. You are free. So, so all this hinges on what happens in the cockpit. It doesn't happen by the weight of the plane or the beauty of the sky. Flying is a matter of, of the cockpit. The choice and the will of the captain. Amen. In the same way, we are all designed for the world of the Spirit. When we got born again, we got born again not of flesh and blood, but we got born again of Spirit. You are called to Spirit. You are designed for Spirit. But just like the plane is designed to fly, and you also are designed to Spirit, you don't start in the sky or you don't start in the Spirit. You start in the flesh. And you get in the cockpit of your flesh, which is your will, your soul. And you say, today, we will not be governed by the flesh. Today, we will fly. You see? We will fly today. But I don't feel like flying. That's flesh. Spirit needs to fly. Spirit was called and designed to fly. Today, we will fly. So I want to help you to fly today. Okay? Today... Beza Church, you are cleared for takeoff. Yeah. Now, um, I would like to just make this very clear, and I think it's important we understand this. I think we need to understand our role or our responsibility in, our, in working out our salvation. God has given us a finished work. God has provided for us everything that we need. 
There is no more legal obligation to us. You know, the Old Testament is all about the law. The New Testament is all about the law crucified on the cross with Jesus and 100% to, to fulfilled. So we have no obligation to works of the law. Amen? Amen? But we are obligated to a fellowship because a fellowship cannot be fellowship without choice. Amen? How many of you are married in here? Now, when you were married, did you force your will on your wife or was it a mutual consent? I've said this before, I'll say it again. I've done many more marriages than I can count, wedding ceremonies. And it's funny because the husband most times is willing to kiss the bride, but in most cases the bride is not quite ready to be kissed in front of her grandma. All right? So we have willingness and unwillingness, and the picture is kind of funny. It ends up with a kiss here, here, here. Okay? Now, now what's happening is that it only works when there's mutual winning. So because as New Covenant believers, we are called to fellowship, our will is involved. God has provided everything for us, but will is our choice to enter into fellowship. For example, when Jesus was on the cross, he said, it is finished. And when he said it is finished, the Bible says the temple veil in the, the, the veil in the temple, it tore from top to bottom, split in two, meaning that's the holy of holies. You can't go in there because that's where God lives. But God is saying, now, welcome one and all. So the door is open, but the willingness is required to go in. Just like with the children of Israel, God put his dwelling in the midst of them when they were traveling in the wilderness. But even though he was right there living with them and gave them protocol for entering, they ended up rebelling against God, complaining about the food, complaining about the manna. Just because God is willing, it does not mean that they were willing. And I believe that that same condition is also applicable to us as New Covenant believers. The door is open, but it requires willingness. Amen. So, so the protocol for entering into his presence is the same both Old Covenant and New Covenant. The Bible says, Psalm 100, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Thanksgiving and praise is the cockpit that shifts us from ground to air, from flesh to spirit, from the lowly nature to the higher nature. Amen. We'd make that transition with thanksgiving and praise. We make that transition. Some of us need to do like David. In Psalm 43... And verse 5, David said these words. I think if we have the verse, I don't know if I gave this one to you or not. David said to himself, he did not say this to God. He did not say this to the pastor. He did not say this to his husband or his wife. He said this to himself. And the most powerful conversation that you will ever have in your life is the conversation that you have with yourself. We learned about that the other day. But Psalm 43 verse 5, David said, Why so downcast, O my soul, my own soul? Put your trust in God, for I will yet bless his holy name. Notice the sequence. Myself, why so downcast, O my soul? Put your trust in God. This is cockpit conversation going on in here. Hmm? Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. Hallelujah. My Savior and my God. Praise the name of the Lord. This is cockpit conversation. Why so downcast, oh my soul? So what he's telling is, 
most of the time you will not feel like praising God. The reason most of the time is you will be dealing with something that is more sorrowful than joyful. And David is telling himself, why so downcast? I don't know about you, but most times when I begin prayer, when I begin worship, my own personal life, I don't feel like praying. But you have to counsel yourself. Why so downcast? Who are you trusting in anyway? Put your trust in God. When we pass that praise test, we start to push the plane forward down the runway. Hallelujah. And at some point, you experience a breakthrough and it's no longer you. Hallelujah. You see, that praise in your own soul is the most powerful thing. You don't realize what your praise does to the enemy. The Bible says, for the, uh, he, uh, he put praise on the lips of infants and babes to silence the avenger or to silence the enemy. The enemy is silenced with the praise. Hallelujah. That means everything, see, the, the enemy's agenda, the Satan's agenda is to ground all planes. Take all planes which are designed to fly and keep them grounded. But somebody found a praise and counseled them stuff and started making their way down the runway. Praise takes you from flesh to spirit because your trust is in God. Do you remember the story of Job? Job is a long book. Let me summarize. One day Satan came to God and said, have you seen this man Job? Or God told Satan, have you considered Job? And, Job, and, and Satan says, if you give me a chance to touch him, I promise you, I, he will curse you to your face. That was the fight. That Job's misery would be so great that he would curse God to his face. And God said, no, there's no one like Job. Hmm? He's up there on the level with Pastor <laughs> Nothing comes against him. Nothing can harm him. He's righteous. There's no one in all the land like my servant Job. And he says, yeah, but if you let me mess with him, he will curse you to the face. The, the enemy was not fighting the issue, the, the circumstance. He was not after his stuff. He was after his praise. He says, if you let me touch him, the praise will stop and complaining and the cursing will come. He will curse you to the face. No, he won't. Yes, he will. No, he won't. Yes, he will. Okay, go ahead. Try. And if you remember the story, the enemy came and threw all kinds of mess on his house. All kinds of mess on his family, his wealth. He lost everything. At, on top of everything, he became sick with boils all over his flesh. Am I right about it? And in the midst of his misery, Job lied down in his bed of suffering. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb. And naked I shall return. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let me tell you why this is so powerful. Job had never experienced this kind of torment in his life before. This is unusual mess that was thrown at him. But Job decided to praise the Lord in the midst of this. Now let me clarify. Job said the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Pastor Z does not say the Lord takes away. Because I don't believe God is a taker. God is good. Good father, he gives good gifts to his children. He's a loving and good father. The Bible says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. You can talk to me later about this, but I believe God is a good God. The devil is a bad devil. I don't get the lines of communication confused. God is the author of all good in him. There is light and there is no darkness in him whatsoever. So God is good. 
all the time God is good. Not some of the time. And God is so good that he is a giver. He's not a taker. But what happens is, is that, I mean, are we in agreement? Devil bad, God good. I just keep it very simple. Okay? But what happens is, is that Job's trauma in his life is so great that it flips the equation. And he's now actually convinced that God has done this to me. I mean, that's a bad day. But that's what makes his praise even more powerful. Because in Job's mind, he says, I thought God was a giver and not a taker. But now it looks like God is taking. Now, we know from the story that God did not take. It was the devil who asked permission and the devil who messed with him. Not God. God good giver. Devil bad. Always taker, stealer, killer. No room for devil. So in Job's mind, however, his drama is so great that he says, God, you're taking away from me. But even if you are taking away from me, blessed be the name of the Lord. And I think that's a true play, praise that silences the mouth of the avenger. If you read Job's life at the end, the Bible says that God blessed him double for everything that the devil stole from him. Say double. Where is Uche when you need him? Double. Say double. Double, double. Amen. Amen. Just a side note, this is not by part of the preaching, but it'll be good for you. The book of Job has 42 chapters. Of the 42 chapters, 36 of the chapters, it's all about the friends of Job and the counsel that they gave him. And, the, and how they interpreted his events and how they thought they were experts in the will of God. Which tells me that you need to be... When it comes to your praise, you need to be very careful the kind of people you allow into that space when it comes to an issue of my soul and my praise. I choose my friends carefully because they can have an effect on my cockpit situation. This is a word for somebody. You love God, but you choose friends poorly. 40, 36 out of 42 is all about the talk of men. Be careful who you run with. Because every time you go through something, there will be interpretation and all kinds of experts giving counsel and advice. Mind your fellowship. In the end, hallelujah, God bless Job because God is always faithful. Praise the Lord. The Bible says, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So whatever situation you find yourself in, start with a praise. Get in your co cockpit and say, I don't feel like it. It's funny, we had worship light night last Friday. And when I came here, it was a long day, I was tired. And it felt like I was the only one in the room. Not many of you came. I'm not saying anything, I'm just saying not many of you came. <laughs> and I felt just about the same on Friday night like I did last Sunday in the afternoon service, my third service. But we began to praise the Lord. We began to call on His name. And the wind of God filled the room. The presence of God came in. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden, we were not on ground level anymore. We were flying in the spirit. Hallelujah. And God was here. God starts speaking. God starts sharing. And God having a good time with God. I think we left very different from the way we came that day. And today, we're going to leave different from the way that we came in today. Praise the Lord. The Bible says this in, in Ephesians. I'll say this and then, then we're going to pray. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, Do not be drunk with wine. But be filled with the Spirit. 
Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the, the Spirit. What it's doing is it's making a correlation between drinking wine or alcohol and with the things of the Spirit. They're actually kind of similar. In fact, the word for alcohol in the Latin is actually spirits. So you can learn a lot about what it means to be in the Spirit by studying the people who love that alcohol. Now let me teach you a few things about alcohol from experience. Uh, there's generally two kinds of drinking. There's the casual and professional drinking. This is like happy hour, you know, cheers. Cheers, mate. Hey, hey. You know, England, they all do that. Cheers, mate. We were just in England. And you drink, but you're not drinking to get into the spirit. You're just drinking casually, having a good time, having a, something, a beer with something, with something, something. Okay? Now that's one level of drinking. But there's another level of drinking. That when you come to the bar late at night, you come with an agenda. <laughs> You're laughing too hard, Beza Church. <laughs> now, to be honest, I cannot preach this from experience because you know who I grew up with. <laughs> Didn't even come close, but some of you I'm bringing back sweet memories right about now. And you know who you are. Now... When a person comes, like many times, you know, people who have issues, people who have problems, the bar is a good place to get smashed because it causes you to forget. So when you come, you come on assignment. I am here to drink until that spirit takes over me. All right? So you don't do the happy hour drinking. No, no, no. That's professional drinking. That's cheers drinking. This is get out of my way. And, and, and you start with one. And you start with two, and you start with three, and if you're really good, four, come on somebody, five, six, if you're like me, 12, 13, 14, and then you start feeling a little bit. Now what happens when you get drunk? A few things. Number one, huh, you start to forget all of the drama that's in your life. Am I right about it? <laughs> I'm, I'm tricking you all. <laughs> you forget... Where you came from. <laughs> Number two, that sorrow that you brought into the bar, it now turns to joy. Yeah. Have you noticed how drunk people are generally pretty happy? <laughs> and number three, you could care less what people think about you. You're completely inebriated is the technical term. And you could care less what people think. You're completely unconscious. That's why you need to record people when they're drunk so that when they get sober again, you can show them what they actually did and they get embarrassed. Was that really me? That was you. That's what happens when you get in the spirits. So the Bible says, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit, one or the other. In fact, if you remember on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came, the people looked at everyone and said, these men have had too much wine. But Peter said, no, this is not wine like you suppose. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is the spirit. Same effect, but different substance. And the effect is found when you wake up in the morning on this side, your problems have increased. Because on top of every drama that you had, you gave away all your money to get that high. Now you're both miserable and in debt. But on this side, you get high, and it's life-giving. Life and life more abundant. 
So somebody needs to come into the bar today of the Spirit with an agenda. We cannot be a professional happy hour church. Cheers. Because as a plane was designed to fly, you were born of spirit to go into the spirit. You are designed to function and dwell and live and, and swim in the, in the spirit. So how we take our drinks in the bar, in the spirit, we don't take drinks, we take praise. Why so downcast, oh my soul? Put your trust in God, for I will yet praise his holy name. And you praise, and you praise. And you praise. The first three, you're not doing much. It actually, you start when the life of the Spirit always starts in the flesh. But you praise. And you praise. And you praise. And what happened on Friday night, all of a sudden, ladies and gentlemen, we have liftoff. Ladies and gentlemen, you are no longer in the flesh. Praise the Lord. And when you get into the realm of the Spirit, it's interesting. What bothered you no longer bothers you. You feel light now. You feel joy where you felt misery. Hallelujah. And you no longer care what people think about you. May the Lord help us in here today. Praise the Lord. Live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Today, the bar is open. Today, the runway is cleared. Today, your flesh has a service announcement on its head. Today, we go into the realm of the Spirit. May the love of God, the, may the, 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 the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Hallelujah. We have about two and a half minutes. Is anybody ready to get a little bit inebriated right now? Can we stand on our feet? Hallelujah. I know it feels funny, but just lift your hands, open your mouth. Don't worry about your neighbor. Don't worry about your problems. Don't worry about your enemies. Don't worry about your bank account. Lift your voice and say, why so downcast? Oh, my soul, put your trust in God. Put your trust and your faith in God. Hallelujah. Father God, we praise you right now. Father God, we give you the highest praise. Hallelujah. We don't feel like it, for we start in the flesh. But Father God, we give you the praise right now. Go ahead, lift up your voice. Hallelujah. And begin to give him praise. Hallelujah. You were designed by spirit, for spirit, from spirit. Hallelujah. You are from above. You are not from beneath. Hallelujah. Enter in right now by your praise. Enter in right now by your thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Tell God how great he is. Exalt the promise of God today. Faithful God. Beautiful Jesus. Hallelujah. Victorious and conquering. Lion of the tribe of Judah. We bless your name right now. I praise your name. Father God, hallelujah, we have come with an agenda today, hallelujah, I don't care how bad it looks, I'll praise you anyway, I don't understand, but I praise you anyway, it doesn't make sense to me, it seems like you're working against me, but I praise you as a sacrifice, I praise you with a joy, I praise you with a thanksgiving, hallelujah, it's dark right now, but I praise I praise all the way down this runway. This plane will take off today. For our God is a victorious God. Why so downcast, oh my soul? Why so downcast? Put your trust in God. Put your trust, hallelujah. Lift your voice. Lift your praise. Lift your thanksgiving. You were designed to 
to fly. You were created to fly. You were to created to take flight. We bless you right now, Father God. We bless you right now. The flesh desires that which is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit desires that which is contrary to the flesh. They are at war with one another. But today we declare that the victory goes to the spirit. The victory goes to the spirit. Hallelujah. Oh, that plane down the runway today. Drag that flesh down the runway today. No more Mary ministry for you. Martha ministry for you. No more Martha ministry. Why so downcast? Put your trust in God. Woo. Hallelujah.